You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, um, I do want to get caught up on a few things. We've been doing a lot of training camp stuff, so I just want to kind of clean up some of the news and notes. Then I want to hit my uh, 53 here because I want to start combing through. By the way, I did upload the 53, a link to the spreadsheet that I've been using um, over on Patreon. So if you want to see that, you can do so for just a buck a month. That's all it's going to cost. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You'll have access to it. Every single player, every single note from every single training camp is in here. If you're curious about, you know, Jonathan Ford, I've got all the notes on Jonathan Ford. If you're curious about Devontae Wyatt, because you're trying to get jacked up. Every single note about Devontae Wyatt from OTAs, I think. Maybe I did. I think I started in OTAs. I don't know. It doesn't matter. All through training camp. I've also got the players that were released. I've got IR. I've got some color coding here as far as um, guys that are on the NFI, the PUP. Um, I have new positions. So anybody new, I, I mean, I, I, I put it on for a little while. If, if there's anybody new, I'll highlight it. Then I'll get rid of it after a couple days. And then also roster change is just if somebody's moved recently, again, after about a day, I'll get rid of it. Probably after I talk about it on the podcast, I'll get rid of it. But just so you know, these are guys that have changed positions. For example, Lucas Van Ness overtook Kingsley and Igbare on my list. I'm not saying anything official. We'll talk about it. But um, So I highlighted both of those guys because they both changed their position. Um, I just want to clean up some of the uh, bookmarks that I had over on Twitter. Um, just a couple interesting little tidbits. This one here is a, uh, 33rd team fantasy and betting, just talking about fantasy football. Um, it's not really information we don't know, but any time we can hype up guys, especially guys that I don't think are getting enough hype, we're going to do so. I love me some Chris Olave, one of seven rookie wide receivers to put up over a 2.25 yards per route run. Every other player to do that finished as a top seven fantasy wide receiver in their second year. The other guy that made this list last year was Christian Watson. Also made that elite list where every single player has finished top seven in fantasy football in their second year. Christian Watson was also the number one player in fantasy points per route last year. 
every other player in the top 10 of that stat is now being drafted as the wide receiver 11 or better. He was also one of 16 wide receivers to be targeted in over 25% of his routes. And over the second half of last season, the only players with more fantasy points than him were Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, and CeeDee Lamb, Elite Company, and Christian Watson and Jordan Love are getting a ton of hype in camp. This is the most positive news we could possibly hear on Jordan Love day in, day out. I am all in on Chris Olave. Ben, you better be too. So Alave and Christian Watson. I told you yards per route run, whether we're talking fantasy or anything else, that that's that is an incredible stat to use. The only reason it's not useful is if you expect the routes to stay low. Right? Well, yeah, per route is great, but he doesn't run any routes. But if you're looking at yards per route run for a guy, especially a guy like Christian Watson that for whatever reason didn't play a ton, you don't want to look at total numbers because that's stupid. That doesn't make any sense. You want to recognize that he's going to be the number one wide receiver for the entire year pending injury and say the totals don't matter. I want to know every time he ran a route, what did he do? Because you normalize the routes. You say he's going to be running the same amount of routes as, as some of the top guys. So don't worry about the number of routes. Look at, on a per-route basis, what did he do? And he was putting up serious damage. It's one of the other things that's on here, Dara posted, simple logic dictates that the further down the field you catch the ball, the less yak you're going to gain. Christian Watson does not abide by simple logic. So there's a graph that was put together by uh, Fantasy PTS Data, and you can see the trend line just heading down. The further you head, the, the average depth of target, the more that that goes up, the further down that x-axis you go, the lower the yards after the catch per reception goes. So there again, there's a trend going and a down into the right trajectory. Christian Watson is about as high into the right as you can get. That is to say, his average depth of target is very high, and his yards after the catch per reception is very high. Because guys like Christian Watson have the speed to break away even after a deep catch. And we've seen that. I think we saw that even in, in family night. You know, they kind of blow it dead as soon as... That happened to a couple of the tight ends, too. They blow it dead as soon as somebody, like, tags them. Like, I don't think somebody's going to get there, man. I don't I don't think he's going down. I'm sorry. Uh, we've also got another chart. Who did this one? I love these people. Uh, oh, this is our friend Throw the Damn Ball. At Throw the Damn Ball on, um, on Twitter. This is data via PFF. Quarterback recognition and accuracy, 2017 through 2022, minimum 800 attempts. Thank you to Wendell Ferreira for finding this. Aaron Rodgers did quite well in this regard. Again, you want to be on the top right side of these charts, generally speaking. You want to read it just to make sure, but that's what it is. He's over there with Justin Herbert and Pat Mahomes. And on the x-axis, you have percent of throws to open receivers. And on the y-axis, you have percent of accurate throws to open receivers. Justin Fields was absolutely the lowest of percent of accurate throws to open receivers. He didn't have a ton of open receivers. I mean, several were worse. The absolute worst was Ryan Fitzpatrick in Washington. I mean, he, he had nobody open ever. But the only guys that were even close in their inability to hit wide open receivers was Lamar Jackson and Cam Newton. So thanks for that, Wendell. I don't believe I mentioned this, but we, we've talked a little bit about home field advantage and what, what the actual points are in terms of your, your points advantage. And, and the common... Generally, it's seen as three points. There's a three-point advantage if you're at home. That's absolutely not true. So Stephen Patton over at Patton Analytics, at Patton Analytics on Twitter, put together a home field advantage point spread, home field distribution for each team since 2021, and it shows the toughest places to play. And the toughest place to play on the road or in their house is San Francisco. 
they get a 2.77 point advantage. That's pretty close to three, but it's still less than three, and that's on the high end of the spectrum. The Green Bay Packers are at 2.06. I believe the lowest is the Arizona Cardinals, who get a 1.04 point advantage. So all that to say home field advantage is somewhere between, you know, one and a half to two and a half, call it two points. It's like a two-point advantage generally. For the Packers, it's been exact, almost exactly that, 2.06. Um, we got some uh, news about Alvin Kamara. He's actually suspended the first three games in his role in a fight outside of a Las Vegas nightclub in 2022. Kamara reached a plea agreement in July and no longer is facing felony charges for the role in the fight that occurred before the Pro Bowl, February 2022. Why does that matter? He's out for three weeks. Packers play Saints in week three, so he will not be in that game. Green Bay Packers, New Orleans Saints, September 24th. And I don't know why my, um, no, whatever. Um, some very interesting and not great news regarding our old buddy Blake Martinez. Report, former NFL linebacker Blake Martinez has reportedly been permanently banned from reselling Pokemon cards on Whatnot over scamming collectors, according to Dexerto. Statement from Whatnot which I guess is the platform you sell these things on. After a comprehensive investigation into Blake's Breaks operation, we have decided to permanently remove the seller from our platform, including the individual employees involved in misconduct. Martinez retired from the NFL in 2022 to open up a Pokemon selling card company that has made $11.5 million in revenue in less than a year, per The Athletic. So that doesn't sound super wonderful. Uh, interesting note from Paul Brettel. He says, I asked TJ Slayton about if the interior defensive line group feels faster this year. Quote, Jerry, he really coaches us to get off and being direct in our approach. So that's kind of what we're working on right now. So it does look a little bit faster, but that's the direction we're trying to go. Like I said, they have made a decision. And the decision is not, we need to stop the run better. Now, maybe this will also help the run. But I'm, I'm just saying, it seems to me as though they've said, screw this, let's go get the quarterback. Again, they went out and drafted two big edge rushers and said, you're playing defensive tackle as, as interior pass rushers. Devontae Wyatt is an interior pass rusher. And you got, the, you got a defensive lineman saying, yeah, our defensive line coach is teaching us to be faster because we're trying to go in that direction. And we're seeing it, man. I mean, maybe again, maybe it's going to help as, as far as, you know, being faster doesn't just mean being faster getting to the quarterback. It could be getting faster out of your out of your stance and, and that'll help you in the in the run defense and all that kind of stuff. But I'm, I'm just excited to see them go up against somebody else. Maybe, maybe we get no results. I don't know. But I, I tell you what, I'm, I'm watching Jordan Love under constant duress from this monstrous defensive line, and then I watched the Chicago Bears do their whole thing, and Jordan Love is standing in the pocket for five seconds, nobody near him because they have no pass rushers, and dumps it off to somebody five yards down the field, whatever. I just I would love to see that, that, that pass rush. Anyways, why don't we take a early break? We'll take a break here, and then um, I want to come back and kind of comb through the roster a little bit and just kind of see some of the updates because I did spend a lot of time going through every single tweet, every single note about every player on family night to make sure that we get all that updated. Um, fortunately, most of what I, what I felt that I saw is kind of the uh, collective consciousness of everybody. I don't know what I'm saying right now. Don't worry about it. But we'll run through some of that and see where we're at. Please check out grassfedcooperative.com if you want some high-quality grass-fed beef delivered directly to your door. They do offer free shipping, so please look into that. Check out what they offer. they got some big old boxes, different combinations, and again, you get 10% off if you use promo code PACKER10. That's capital P, PACKER10, so go check it out. 
We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I'm actually a little perturbed right now. We are going to start off with quarterbacks, and I was going to tell you my exact thought on how this is all going to pan out, and uh, the Packers didn't let me sound brilliant. Quarterback, uh, the Packers have released cornerback Danny Etling. What I intended to say today is, obviously, we, we've got Jordan Love 1, uh, Danny Etling 2, Sean Clifford 3, Alex Magoo is 4. That's the way it's been the whole time. It hasn't changed. What I was going to say is that I think I know how this is all going to pan out. Danny Etling is going to be released. Sean Clifford's going to be the number two. Alex Magoo will go to the practice squad. It just seemed painfully obvious to me. Sean Clifford is not going to... They're not going to risk losing him by trying to send him to the practice squad. They're certainly not going to release him. Uh, and, and, and honestly, I see. Uh, I saw this from Paul Brettel here. He says, Packers release quarterback Danny Etling. I think that goes to show the confidence they have in, in Clifford. I don't think so. That's not to say they don't have some level of confidence in him. This was the plan all along. This was never going to be anything else. Alex Magoo makes a ton of sense for the practice squad because the practice squad actually does serve a purpose. He's a, 
more mobile guy. He runs around. He's he's a little bit more. I mean, he he's he is built to be a practice squad guy. And Sean Clifford was always built to be the backup, the the guy holding the clipboard. So even though Danny Etling had been the number two, this was always the thing that made the most sense. And again, I just I was just gonna say it, and then I see that they just released him. I was like, Could you have waited one day? But but the good thing about it is. Again, just like I said, th- this was always going to be the case. So if you know that this is going to be the thing, I mean, the potential issue is maybe Magoo is just trash or whatever, or Sean Clifford is a disaster. Let's at least see what they look like. But the point is now we get more opportunities to sh- see Sean Clifford and Alex Magoo, and not just see them, but to give them opportunities to actually play. So um, there you have it. Um, there Has there been a change? Yes, there has. I have Jordan Love number two. I moved Sean Clifford up to that number two spot. Obviously, Atling is on the released list, along with Garvin, Phil, uh, Filiaga, McDonald, and Hamilton. Alex Magoo is the guy not on the 53, but again, very, very likely that he ends up being the guy. Now, could they still bring in another quarterback? Of course. They, they worked out another quarterback when we had four. They're constantly bringing people in and trying them out and see what could happen. If you can slightly upgrade any of these things, which really the only thing they're going to be upgrading is which guy is the quote-unquote camp arm or the soon-to-be practice squad guy. So is there somebody we can find to replace Alex Magoo? I doubt that's going to happen. They could bring someone in, try him out, but that's just going to be the thing. So finally had some mobility there at quarterback. And again, I think it's good. We're going to have, we're going to see more of, I mean, when it comes to like preseason even, we're going to see more love Clifford and Magoo with um, Etling not there. I mean, love is going to be what love is. I mean, that's always just going to be, this is how much we want you to play. But after that, more for the rest of the guys. And I'm excited to watch Clifford. Running back, I may have mentioned it, but... Patrick Taylor is again in that number three spot. I don't really understand it entirely. It could be a situation like Magoo where he just has, you know, stays the number two, but he's kind of not going to be that guy. You know, they want to see if he can do it with a higher level of of play, but then they release him. I I don't know, but, um, and I, I have nothing against Patrick Taylor, but again, Tyler Goodson just seems to me to be the guy that's constantly, he's being utilized. There's tons of positives about him as a pass blocker tons of positives on special teams tons of positives about him as a, as a receiver as well as a running back and Patrick Taylor just seems to be more of a pure running back slash special teams but despite that and I've gone back and forth with these guys probably four or five times uh Patrick I mean they had very clear first team second team third team fourth team and as far as I know Patrick Taylor was on the second team Tyler Goodson was on the third team with Emmanuel Wilson on with uh, the Magoo squad so it is what it is. You know, I'm just going to leave it at that. Fullback Henry Pearson is still there. I don't know that I necessarily expect him to stay. He could be practice squad, certainly. But I don't I don't really think he makes the 53. I probably should just dro- drop him off of the 53 because I don't think he's going to make it. I mean, his role is... Yeah, it's kind of, it overlaps with the tight ends, and I think we're going to have four tight ends. Maybe he does. I don't know. But I'm I'm very tempted to drop him off the list. I'll leave him there for now, but I it would it would surprise me a little bit if he ended up making it. Um, as far as Lou Nichols, again, I know a lot of people kind of just automatically throw him in. Um, he's the very clear number five running back. So at this point, I would assume he's going into the practice squad. Um, he didn't participate in family night. I mean, he could still break out, but I just feel like there's so much that's been established with Goodson and Taylor their abilities on special teams as receivers, blockers, understanding the scheme, all that stuff. As much as it's about getting young guys out there, if Lou Nichols was a third-round pick, okay, maybe. But he was, a, I think, a late seventh-round pick. It ain't that serious, right? And that could be for the future. But, I, you know, I mean, I think Taylor and Goodson are, are still ahead of him. That doesn't, I mean, to be clear, 
one of these two guys could very well and probably will be cut between Patrick Taylor and Tyler Goodson. Doesn't have to be. I hope it isn't, but it's very possible that one of those things does happen. So one of them goes up. Lou Nichols is next in line, goes to the practice squad, and then next year it's a competition between Nichols and Taylor or however that pans out. But I just, at this point, it's a heck of a hill to climb for Lou Nichols to be able to get there. There's going to need to be some major strides because he's not getting the opportunities. He, he didn't play. You know, there's there's got to be something serious that goes on there. Anyways, um, moving over to the wide receivers. Again, still Watson, Dobbs, Reed. The one thing that that did occur to me, and and listen, the whole number one wide receiver thing is is somewhat you can it can mean a lot of different things. I was thinking about it the other day. I think the um, the best way that I could say it when describe what I mean when I say that is if they all were to get new contracts, who's going to get the highest contract? It's not necessarily, you know, the guy that gets the most receptions or the most yards necessarily or any of that or touchdowns. It it probably has some correlation to that. But that's ultimately it. Who who's the guy that is the the best, most valuable wide receiver? That if you traded him, you'd want the most compensation. The, if the contract would be the highest. But I, I I feel like Dobbs, as much as I am a massive Watson truther at this point, just the way he moves and the way he carries himself and his explosiveness and his yards after the catch and all that kind of stuff, he's so dangerous. It's, I feel like Dobbs is creeping up a little bit. I mean, all family night, it seemed like Dobbs versus Jair instead of Watson against Jair, and a lot of balls went that way. We saw Dobbs beat Jair a couple times. We've seen Dobbs beat Jair in training camp where he just went right over his head. I'm not saying Dobbs is better than Jair, but when you start to see that matchup a little bit more, then you still see uh, Jordan Love go that way as opposed to going over to wherever Christian Watson was. It's interesting. Uh, I do still think Jaden Reed is a lock at number three right now. Um, you can say Samori Ture is four, but I really think Tay Wicks is going to overtake him very soon if that already hasn't happened. Um, he has not had a massive amount of opportunities, but um, in the little bit that has been there, I mean, l- let me just recap a little bit of these things we've seen from Dentavian Wicks. I've, I already went through this earlier, but the first one is about him doing a great job blocking, right? T- being uh, Doing an Alan Lazard impression. Then he gets hit, and he goes out. He doesn't come back until August 3rd. The very first note, Wicks just broke Thomas's ankles. Holy shoot. Then you got Wicks beats Thomas on a comeback route. Dentavian Wicks is so fun to watch, especially in one-on-ones. He really knows how to create space and that release and suddenness in his routes. By the way, seriously elite route runner. Again, when I watched Dentavian Wicks, I thought he was completely horrible. But there was one route he ran that was kind of like a, oh my goodness. And again, I didn't think to look because every single one of our draft picks had a breakout year like the year prior to the last year. And of course, I'm looking at his most recent year. So the point is, I saw that. And then later I went back and watched some of his older games. And, and again, you can really see it. I didn't expect it to show up this much this often, but he genuinely has that next level kind of route running ability. Then there's one note about a breakup. And then there's this. Matt LaFleur on Wicks, quote, he does an unbelievable job as a matter of fact, or he does an unbelievable job. As a matter of fact, we were talking yesterday with Vrabel, and Vrabel talks about how many text messages he gets every night from Wicks in terms of he's always studying. Now, again, and maybe this was unfair of me, but I'm just going to tell you how I feel about certain things. Going back a little bit, I said Wicks was really passionate about basketball, didn't really like football. His brother kind of pushed him into it. And then that last year, you kind of felt like he just wasn't feeling it. I was worried that he wasn't going to be passionate about it. And that's that's tough. Like, there has to be some genuine passion 
that's able to push you through this. And if you just don't have it, you don't have it. Nothing you can do about it. So I love that, like, Vrabel is sitting there like, dude, I love it, but freaking A, man, it's 2 in the morning. Like, I, I haven't been able to sleep because you're blowing up my phone. Then, the next quote, he says, In the limited action we've seen where he's, um, where he's done some very impressive things. I don't know, that's a half a sentence, I guess. But he, I mean, he's gushing about Wicks. Samori Turi's fine. He knows the offense. I'm going to keep Ture ahead of Wicks for now because we haven't seen Wicks very much, but everybody that's watched Wicks, including the beat writers, is gushing over how good he looks. All the comments, with the exception of one pass breakup, are basically, holy crap. And then on top of that is the coach saying, um, he's blowing up Vrabel's phone constantly, and in the little bit that we've been able to see him, he's done some very impressive things, was the quote. So, um, watch out for Wicks. I mean, that, that could be a really solid group of four there. Watson, Dobbs, Reed, and Wicks. I'm really sorry to the uh, Samori Ture truthers. I'm sure he's going to play. He'll be the number five, and he's going to get some opportunities. But I, I think that's what it's going to be. Watson, Dobbs, Reed, and Wicks. Maybe Dobbs, Watson, Reed, Wicks. I don't know. Uh, tight end, I think every single day I become more and more of a Musgrave believer. Again, when we drafted him, I just, I didn't really... It's not that I, it's not that I didn't even see. I, there's nothing to see. You know, like, he was bad for like three years. And then he played two games where he was really impressive in those two games. But that was it. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? Then you come to find out he's like the fastest tight end in the NFL right now, which is stupid. I mean, he's absolutely top three, if not the fastest. Then when you watch it, it's just a different animal. Because you got a guy that moves like a wide receiver, at least as far as his speed. You see guys trying to keep up with him, but he's so big. There's, I mean, I, meant, I mentioned the Jair thing. He's running trying to keep up with him, and he tries to get to the ball, but it's like, it's, he's just, he's too big. He can't get his arms around him. So I'm, I'm all in on Musgrave as an additional weapon to Watson, Dobbs, Reed, Wicks, Ture. I love that. I still do have Josiah DeGuara next, um, but it's iffy, man. I mean, I, you know, again, they, they don't use him a ton. I mean, look, he, he's the number one H-back and all that, right? But as far as, again, if they were to cut contracts, um, where's the value? I think it's Musgrave that, well, it's kind of an unfair thing because, you know, the rookies are going to be more valuable because they're young and they're rookies, but leaving that aside, again, we know that they love Tyler Davis. And I, and I think he's had a great camp so far. He hasn't been perfect, but I thought he looked really good in uh, training camp. I think, you know, he's our best blocker right now. He's basically Mercedes Lewis, at, at least doing his best Mercedes Lewis impression. Um, Tucker Craft was kind of getting left in the lurch, but he had a pretty good day. And again, you see sort of that same thing, just the physicality. I mean, it's just, it's just such a different thing. It's weird. It's like I've never seen a tight end play football before. I don't know. I mean, Tunyon maybe was a little bit undersized or something, so you didn't really see that massive size. I mean, obviously you saw it with Mercedes, right? But it was different because Mercedes Lewis looked like an offensive tackle running. So it was cool watching him bulldoze guys, but it was just a different thing. So I'm, I'm excited about the tight ends. I mean, that, that was one of my favorite things about Family Night. Those tight ends were just so physically imposing, just so massive. And they, I mean, they just impose their will, bottom line. So as far as the order, I don't know. It's Musgrave, and then there's the other three. That's all I know. I couldn't tell you. Austin Allen, I thought I had a good day, but I, I think, you know, he's destined for the practice squad probably, which is cool because he, I mean, we're probably going to keep all four, I would assume. Austin Allen has no competition for practice squad. So, I mean, as long as he can kind of just hang in there, keep doing a good job and hope no tight ends come through the, through the gates, good to go. Offensive line was very interesting. We didn't have David Bakhtiari or Elton Jenkins. So I still here's how I still have this. It's first first team, Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Myers, Runyon, Tom. Second string is Yash, Sean Ryan, Jake Hansen, Royce Newman, Rashid Walker. The thing is, though, 
Like, you look at Sean Ryan being our number two left guard. Well, he's really not. That's Royce Newman. Royce Newman is sort of like Yash Nyman. If any of the guards go down, it's Royce. After that, it's Sean Ryan. So it, it gets to be really weird. So I, I kind of started a separate tab. You can probably st see it if you look at the um, spreadsheet I put over on Patreon. Just trying to kind of make sense of it. But for example, at left tackle, I've got Bakhtiari 1, then Yash, then it's Rashid Walker because they had Rashid out there with, with, um, with the twos with David Bakhtiari out. Then after that, it was Kadeem Telfert, who was number four. In this case, running with the third string. Elton Jenkins was out. They had Royce in there in place of Elton Jenkins. Then they had Sean Ryan behind Royce. At center, it's Jake Hansen. Excuse me, <laughs> it's Josh Myers. We know Jake Hansen. Wait, we don't know, but I'm assuming Jake Hansen, who wasn't playing, was out. But then they had Cole Schneider, who was the backup. Now remember, they brought in Cole Schneider and James Empey, who are uh, brand new to the team, just came in as backup centers. Cole Schneider got the opportunity at center, so I put Cole ahead of James Empey. Interestingly, at right guard is where they put James Empey. Now, they, you, you just need bodies. You got to put somebody somewhere. But I did move James Empey over to right guard. Maybe he's a center. I don't know. He's a, supposed to be a center. Probably doesn't matter either way. But, you know, it's, it's just trying to make sense of it. So center is Myers, Hanson, Schneider. Right guard is John Runyon, Royce Newman. Probably Sean Ryan, but I don't know. So I just put James Empey. And then at right tackle, I have Zach Tom, then Yash Nyman, then Caleb Jones, because Caleb Jones was the, um, I guess, was he, he's probably second string right tackle, because Yash would have been, or I don't know, it doesn't matter. So it's, it's very confusing when you look at it from that way, but it did kind of clarify some things when I saw that. Um, again, I did move Cole Schneider ahead of James Empey, and I just moved James Empey over to guard. I don't really know if that's going to stay or if it's just because we needed the bodies. And then I did put Kadeem Telford ahead of Luke Tenuta. So Luke Tenuta just is dropping. And again, that's because Tenuta, or excuse me, Telford was next up at left tackle. Tenuta was not. I didn't hear his name as far as playing. I'm sure he played somewhere at some time, but I wasn't aware of it. So um, as far as the tackles go, I've got, at, at, you know, Bakhtiari, Yash Nyman, Zach Tom, Rashid Walker. Then after that, I have Caleb Jones. I'm not positive that Caleb is behind Rashid, but I believe he is. Then Kadeem Telford, Luke Tenuta, and then Gene DeLance. Um, our defensive ends, or, you know, interior defensive line, not including nose tackles. Really no change, but very excited about some of this stuff. I just want to read some of the notes here. This is just from the family night. Again, Kenny Clark, not a ton. I think he had like one run stuff in there. But looking at, uh, start with Colby Wooden. Says, Wooden beats Kraft, but nice job by Etling, blah, blah, blah. Wooden beats Kraft. Sean Clifford hits Malik Taylor in the right seam for a 56-yard touchdown if Colby Wooden hadn't sacked Clifford well before the pass was thrown. Wooden and Brooks combined for a tackle for a loss. Wooden was the first one there. Matt LaFleur says Colby Wooden and Carl Brooks are going to be counted on for lots of snaps this season. Both have continued to get pressures almost every single day. A lot of those are duplicates that apply to uh, Carl Brooks, but here's one that's just Carl Brooks. Carl Brooks has been in the backfield quite a bit this summer. Would have had a third down sack on Clifford, who instead scrambles for a first down to keep the reserve two-minute series going. It is nonstop. It's every single day, Colby Wooden, Carl Brooks, and usually Devontae Wyatt. I don't know why there weren't more notes about Wyatt. I know he was very disruptive, but I didn't really see any. Um, as far as the edge rushers, I did officially move Lucas Van Ness above Kingsley and Igbari. I do think that that's where he's at right now. Um, I can't put him ahead of Justin Hollins. I mean, I can, and I should, and I will, 
just not right now because the Packers seem to still want Justin Hollins up there. But, I mean, part of this is based on trying to be, you know, just basing all of this on where the Packers have things, right? Like, Etling was always going to get cut, but he's the number two, so we'll call him the number two. That's kind of how I feel about Lucas Van Ness and Justin Hollins. I get that Van Ness is probably raw and has some stuff to learn. Man, when I got a chance to watch him, I mean, I it, if I could, I'd put him ahead of Preston right now. I mean, I am I am excited, you know, because he I I, I don't want to jump the gun and understand that when I when I say this this thing that I'm about to say, I don't mean in every possible way. But he very much reminds me of Rashawn Gary. And what I mean by that is he's really fast, he's got a lot of power, and he grabs the tackle and he pushes him straight back into the quarterback. That is the number one thing that the Packers, I mean, going all the way back to, uh, I think it started with Mike Pettin. I'm not positive, but I think it was. That was the whole thing, collapse, collapse the pocket. And the, and the great thing about it is we can collapse the pocket, but you need that interior pressure. And I think we're starting to get that. We got Wyatt, Wooden, and Brooks who are starting to get interior pressure. Now when you've got these guys collapsing around the outside, sort of creating a circle around the quarterback, he has nowhere to step up. That becomes a sack. But again, I, I just I just saw Van Ness whoop the living crap out of everybody that he went up against. Um, I really want to put him ahead of Hollins, but... I can't do that at this particular point in time, but I am I am very convinced that at some point this year, maybe week one, maybe not, I'm hoping by the first half of this season, um, it'll be, well, I, I guess I shouldn't say that because Rashawn should be back, but I, I, I guess I kind of see it like when Kenny Clark first got here. They pushed Kenny Clark out there, he wasn't quite ready, and it was Mike Daniels and somebody else, I don't remember. But it wasn't until the end of the year that you started to see him a little bit more, and by the time the playoffs kicked off it was um kenny clark and mike daniels that was the number one and the number two now the guy that was next to mike daniels most of the year was not preston smith but i still expect lucas van ness to be um starting to get as many snaps as you see with Rashawn and with with preston and i am very hopeful that we have three really solid pass rushers or at least two you know between all the guys that we have if we have two guys that are like Rashawn level Oh my goodness. And then, oh no, we got Preston Smith and Justin Hollins and Van Ness and Kingsley and Igbari and you know, whoever isn't already in the group. Like it's, it's, it's a solid group. But I do have it Rashawn, then Preston, then Hollins, then Lucas Van Ness, then Kingsley and Igbari. Um, those are the guys that I have on the 53. Then we have Brenton Cox, Kenneth Odomegwu, and Keyshawn Banks and Aaron Mosby. I don't, I don't exactly know their positions, but it seems to me that they're rushing the passer, so I'm putting them at edge. I did have, I think, both of them at one point at linebacker because we still have that stupid thing where people call outside linebackers linebackers, and it's like, can we stop doing that? I, I, I just would really appreciate it if you would stop doing that. There's interior defensive line, edge rushers, linebackers, corners, and safeties. All right, as far as car- common parlance goes, that's the easiest way to do that. Stop calling edge rushers linebackers. You guys freaking drive me nuts. Anyways, uh, once again, the linebackers continue to impress. Um, again, I'm going to go back and try to find that game, just, just or the, the whatever, the practice, and, and see if I can kind of hone in on some people. I mean, I could just wait until preseason. I, I will start doing that in the preseason. We're going to have a lot of fun with that. But um, 
I honed in on a few people when whenever these plays happen. For example, there's a there's a clip, and I retweeted it, and was like, "Don't just watch the guy they're telling you; watch everybody because it's amazing." Um, there's a clip about Devontae Wyatt just ripping through the the offensive line and, and getting a sack. But also, there's Kenny Clark coming in on a stunt who gets to the quarterback. And there's Lucas Van Ness who just runs right through Zach Tom and gets to the quarterback. I mean, it wasn't just a sack. It was an absolute, like, pulverization. It's fortunate for love that, first of all, they're on the same team. Second of all, they're, he's wearing that red jersey and is not allowed to be hit. It's kind of a cool thing for a quarterback, isn't it? Not just from a standpoint of, like, I don't want to get hit, but, like, from a power standpoint, you know? You cannot touch me. I am untouchable. <laughs> That's freaking dope. But yeah, man, I just I, I love these linebackers. And one of my favorite things in that clip with uh with Devontae Wyatt was Quay. Um again, we've we've talked about before the movement ability, just how big and fast he is. It was nice because he lined up across from the running back, but was in a position, you know, his 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 body position was I'm coming in on a blitz. And as soon as it was a snap, he kind of did charge at the line, kind of um showing a blitz. But then as the running back came across the formation, trying to leak out, Quay Walker, like just barely jogging, was able to keep up with him. And then uh, Jordan Love tried to throw it after he basically got sacked, and Quay Walker just throws a shoulder at him, just as kind of a, a quick little FU. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm excited, man. I really am. Uh, I think Devondre is looking good. Quay's looking great. McDuffie and Wilson just blow me away. I, I'm excited for them as linebackers i'm beyond excited for them as special teamers um i don't know what that means for Tariq carpenter but you know whatever uh practice squad or something i guess i don't know as for the corners there's been the whole valentine valentine competition that's been going on i'm still leaning valentine ahead of valentine um i think valentine has actually been the better corner just in recent times Ballantyne, it's mostly just been somebody caught a pass, Ballantyne in coverage. Somebody else caught a pass, Ballantyne in coverage. Like, he's not doing much. Ballantyne is a little more 50-50, right? Pass breakup, caught for a touchdown. Pass breakup, um, just yesterday or, or, I mean, the prior camp, prior to family night, um, that was just a note, three for three, Ballantyne was against um, Samori Ture. The reason I lean Valentine is they're using him heavily in special teams, and I haven't seen anything for Valentine on special teams. Uh, Valentine right now, or at least for family night, was number two. He ran with the twos um, as far as the gunners or flyers or whatever they call them. So I think it's Ford and Nixon that are that are first. And then second team was was Valentine and somebody else. I don't remember. but And then there's just been some other special teams notes for Valentine. So as much as I think Valentine has been the better corner, Valentine's just getting beat up as a corner. Um, I think for that backup role, they're probably going to be looking more for special teams. Now, if both of them come on, it's it's entirely possible Valentine will get more snaps at corner if need be, and then Valentine will be on the roster as a corner, basically on the bench when the defense is out there, but doing more special team stuff. So I don't know. We'll see how many corners come along, especially if um, if Eric Stokes is not there immediately. We're talking about six. If we have Jair, Razul, Valentine, Valentine, and then Nixon and Shamar, if it is ends up being Shamar. I'm I'm very on the fence. I really want to put Innis Gaines up there, but both of them are just kind of getting beat up in coverage. But I, I honestly when I look at the notes recently, I I maybe I'm tempted to switch them for the exact same reasons. Like I think Shamar has been a slightly better corner, right? More pass breakups, etc. 
Ennis Gaines, though, is being used in special teams. Shamar, as far as I can see, at least recently, has not been. So, um, let's see, when was the last time we saw Shamar on special teams? Oh, that's right, and you had three plays in a row with Shamar uh, with a pass interference. So July 29th, there was a note, and it's not to say he wasn't on special teams other days, but the last time I saw anything was July 29th. Um, so I, I, I might I might just switch it. And then even before that, he's working as a gunner. So yeah, back 28th, 29th, it was a little more, but now I'm starting to see more Innis gains. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch him for that reason. And then safety's pretty interesting um, because Jonathan Owens got all the reps with the twos as far as I know, it was it was Savage, or not with the twos. I mean, he was the number two guy. He was with the ones. Darnell Savage and Jonathan Owens were the number one guys. So I don't know if I want to put Owens above Rudy Ford quite yet. It just it felt like such an established thing, and Ford had been just that, that dude for a long time. Maybe they're just trying some different stuff. We'll wait and see. Not a ton of good things about Dallin Lovett, but I don't know that he was ever a super viable safety to begin with. I'm not really worried about it. He is a strictly a special teamer. So if we've got four safeties, I mean, he's going to be number four, and he's not going to be on the field very much, you know, pending a couple injuries. I'm just not massively worried about it. And if there are a bunch of injuries, somebody can go to, you know, IR and, you know, Tavares Moore can come up and be a safety and Lovett can still stay a special teamer or something to that effect, you know. But that would be something to keep an eye on. I mean, at one point I had put Ford ahead of Savage. I put Savage back ahead of Ford, and now it's it's a borderline Owens ahead of Ford. But again, we'll take it slow. We'll see how it goes when when uh, especially when like preseason and stuff rolls around. How those rosters are stacked will be telling. And then obviously in, in week two, how that changes could be telling. Um, and yeah, finally special teams. The only note that I now have on Broughton Hatcher, because not a lot of uh, the notes had who the holders were, but I believe Anders Carlson was 7 of 8 on family night. And um, the one that he missed, it says, no good from 50, wheel and holding, but high snap, tough to handle. I think Andy Herman might have made the the comment, something to the effect of, I'm not even going to count that, because the snap and the hold were so atrocious. So I don't know how many of these misses were Hatcher, but... He's kind of fighting for the uh, the long snapper job with Matt Orzich, and I don't see him necessarily winning. I, I I'm intrigued by the Daniel Whelan versus Pat O'Donnell thing. I I, I feel as though Pat O'Donnell's probably going to win, but you know Whelan's just sort of that young guy with a bigger leg. You know, kind of like with Anders Carlson. The problem with Mason Crosby is he was losing the power in his leg. Fifty yarders were getting kind of iffy. The kickoffs. I mean, we had people subbing in for kickoffs because he just wasn't able to really get it down there. And Carlson can just boot the living crap out of the ball. It's just a matter of consistency with accuracy and whatnot. But um, that's kind of the situation with Whelan. He's a young guy with a big, booming leg, but you just feel safe with Pat O'Donnell. So we'll see where that goes. I think Pat O'Donnell's going to end up ahead, but um, I don't know. But uh, we got Monday training camp. I think it's going to be sort of a walkthrough kind of thing. It's going to be, I don't, I don't know exactly, but it's going to be a lighter to sort of practice, according to Matt LaFleur. And um, one of the negatives is things do tend to, to tone down a little bit in terms of the the daily practices when we get access to things so we'll um have a little bit of breathing time in between to be able to talk about some other stuff but i am excited for joint practices i'm excited for preseason i'm excited to see you know i want to see these guys beat up on other people i want to see wyatt and wooden and brooks and van ness and and these guys just tearing some stuff up i'm excited to start seeing that hopefully 
But we'll leave it at that. You guys have a good rest of your day. I will talk to you tonight, tomorrow, whatever. Have a good one. Bye-bye.